The following program is rated TVMA. What you're about to watch contains explicit language, adult themes, violence, and may not be suitable for viewers under 18. Viewer discretion is strongly advised. I've wanted that piece of for more than two years, so shut up! Welcome to another episode of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by... The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick Young, it was a big week in the world of professional wrestling. It was also a big week in the world of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'll get to that a little bit later. But what do you bring us from the news desk this week, sir? Well, let's kick it off with the fact that uh, John Cena is now a 6 Time world champion. A lot of people, though, speculate on the internet that this reign is going to end coming up this Sunday at Elimination Chamber. So it's a two-week reign. It's It will ruin this title. Well, no, I don't think it'll ruin it. I think that's why they didn't make such a big deal about it Sunday. I had read that they originally had plans to make a big deal out of it. And, I mean, Charles Robinson was the referee, so you and Ric Flair was in the building. Right. So you could tell that there was some idea there but they just didn't make a big deal out, and i think they didn't make a big deal out of it because they know it's going to be a two-week run and the big deal is breaking this fictitious record by the way this is something that i've told you before that this record is is made up this is this is what the wwe chooses to recognize right as rick flair's record right this is not the actual record it's probably in the 20s maybe 30s uh, of all the world titles he's won this is just what they choose to this is their fictional number. Right. I think I do think it's wasted on a two week title reign though. I mean Yeah. They I'm, could have made this they could have made the entire pay per view about this, you know? Like well, that's what I'm saying. And in the they, fact they that, left money on the table. Right. I mean you got guys like Hogan who held the title seven times. And then you got Ric Flair who doubled that. Then you've got John Cena who now doubled that. And you didn't you had an opportunity there to to make it count and make it mean more than what they did, and they, they just didn't want to. I can't. It should be simple enough, you know? Yeah. If I know a record, a big record is coming up that you're going to tie and break, I'm going to make a huge deal and make money. Because God knows they shoved it down our throats with the uh, the New Day. Oh, yes, every single week, you know? And every s- single week, the record, oh, they're, gonna, they're approaching the record, they're approaching the record. Right. This one they mentioned a couple of times, but then that was it. it just kind of died off, and yeah. they, they mention it in passing as he's handed the belt, but it's yeah. no... There's no pyro. There's no streamers. Yeah. They didn't even make a shirt, you know? Why not even sell some merch, you know? Yeah. I mean, John Cena is Mr. Merch. There should have been a 16-time shirt, you know, ready to go, you know, off the printer. He should have been handed his shirt with the belt. Or, I mean, as you're walking out of Royal Rumble, like you've got those little right, setups. Yeah. <laughs> 
Come get the new John Commemorative Cena shirt. edition. Yeah. Yeah. Bizarre how they handled it, but it's going to be an ongoing theme in every single one of our podcasts. They just do bizarre stuff all the time. So it's not really that surprising, but congratulations to John Cena. I don't think it really sets in how dominant this guy has been for as long as he's been. Everything is just so temporary in people's minds right that you just forget how long this guy has been doing this and yeah. for some reason like the early 2000s to now doesn't seem like the transition between like the 80s and the 90s for some reason when hogan you know did something in 1987 and then did something in 1997 it felt like 20 30 years had passed between wrestlemania 3 and starcade 97 you know right but now it doesn't feel like 10 years ago was all that long ago. I don't know what it is about the early part of, of this millennium and the last part of the old one that those t- last two decades, the style between the 80s and 90s, everyone, everything just looked different. It just felt different. So where I think I kind of just forget how long John Cena has been around because the st- every, his style is still the same and he still wrestles in jorts and yeah. it doesn't feel like it's been that long to me. I, I feel, yeah, I'm with you on that. The... um. The aspect of it being, in my mind, how the the older Attitude Era carried over technically into the newer Attitude Era is the way I like to separate it anyway, into 2001, 2000, till about like 2006 or 2007. I think that blurred the lines of Attitude and New Age. And at that point in time, it just, it made it, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's an actual era in a in the wrestling business. It feels right. like it just kind of... I feel like we've been stuck in sort of the same right. stuff yeah. for so long that that's why it doesn't feel like, oh, Cena, you know, he's from that last generation. Or, yeah. It's you not know. like it's Hogan coming back and getting the title. It's it's like, oh, well, he never ended, you know. Yeah. It, 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 Hulkamania, Cena mania is still running yeah. wild. It's uh, been it's been over a decade, but yet this this generation, this era is still going on kind of thing. I, and it feel it's it's weird that it feels that way, but when we go back and like look at pay per views from even six or seven years ago, most of the guys are gone. Yeah, you know, outside of like Randy Orton, yeah. uh, the rest of the roster has rolled over. But it still feels like I always tell people if if you were in a coma for like the last ten years and woke up, you wouldn't be that lost for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. That's just how it's felt. So that's why I think this accomplishment is kind of it'll set in i think after he's retired or after he's you know like the rock and comes back once every couple of years yeah when we really reflect on how dominant this i mean how i mean it's it's unbelievable uh to have been on top of the industry that long yeah and he's got a lot more to give yeah he could very easily go down as the biggest name in professional wrestling history you know, all the years piled up, right. he's going to end up being, yeah, the biggest draw because Austin's run was relatively short as a top guy. And he's past Hogan. Long past Hogan. Because people, you, John Cena's a household name now all over the world. He's a much better actor, too. Yes. I watched one of those Hogan movies you gave me on DVD the Did other you? day. What'd you think? I watched Assault on Devil's Island. What'd you think? And I thought Hogan was the worst part of it, and he's the main <laughs> character. He just reads lines. He's such a great, you know, wrestling promo. He right. puts so much energy out there in front of a wrestling crowd, but in this movie, right. he just read lines with no energy whatsoever. He was just like, yeah, I got to go out there and get my friend's uh, remains back. And and then everyone else, like Carl Weathers is in it, Yeah, and uh, everybody outperforms him. You yeah. know, even the bad guy in the movie, Kano from Mortal Kombat was the actor. I don't remember his name, but... He outperforms Hogan, and yet Hogan's the main guy. That's funny. And there's long stretches in this movie, by the way, where there is nothing but gun sounds. There's just nothing but bullets being fired 
Or one time they're swimming in the ocean, so you just hear, hear music. Terrible films, but Hogan didn't help out the films. Anyway, I'm getting <laughs> off track. I just wanted to let you know that I've started my awesome nine man. Hogan movie DVD. Awesome. awesome. They made a sequel to this movie, by the way. They did. Shadow Warriors Assault on Devil's I think that one's something. in the set as well. So. Devil's Mountain. Yes, yes, we're going to the mountain this time. Yes. So I'll get to check that out. Thank you for that. You're Patrick, welcome. by the way, bought me a DVD uh, of nine bad TNT B-movies, basically, Yes, with all the action stars that we love, like Roddy Piper and Jesse Ventura, who's only in one film. Right, yeah. I don't even know if he's the star of the film. It, yeah. And then Hogan's in a bunch of them. So a really great B-movie set. I love B-movies, so this is a, a really great thing, and uh, I've started doing that. I That's- knew... That's I knew, how I spend my time. Yeah, I knew you and I would, would find entertainment in it where others don't. Yeah, because we're gluttons for punishment. Yeah, That's why we do this much. podcast. Pretty much. The uh, the WWE Champions app game has launched, and it is kick-ass. Oh, you love it, of course. I yeah, do. 10 on 10 from Patrick. But it is. It is. It's, it's bedazzled or bejeweled or whatever. Yeah, it With is. wrestling in the background. It is. That's and all it is. It's a puzzle game. Yes. I don't see how this works. It is so easy. I have it on my, would you like to play it right uh, here live? It's okay. okay. I'll pass. But okay, so you connect the... You connect three. And that does a move. Three or more, and you do a move. Then your opponent does, then you do. And each color, you get to build either a signature or a finisher. And uh, and whenever you've built up and you hit one of those, then you're able to pin. It automatically pins your, pins your opponent, and you have to try to connect so many to be able to kick out basically wow yeah i love puzzle games and i love wrestling games don't want to play them together that just doesn't appeal there are kids there are kids that i know in my family that are like six and seven that are playing this that are absolutely loving it my grandmother loves to play this game my grandmother my grandmother sold me on it for some reason puzzle games are popular with older people i don't know why. my 80 year old grandmother is playing a wwe wrestling game that's what i think is hilarious well that's good that it's brought them to the uh table now they'll have to start watching the program yeah is she gonna start watching raw and SmackDown? i very very strongly doubt that (laughs) okay this game's the main sponsor of the uh elimination chamber this sunday i think they're the title sponsor so we're gonna get a lot more of this I thought they did a good job on the commercials for it. Well, and it's got, uh, you've got Legends in it as well as, you know, now you've got different, like I was playing last night and I beat uh, Christian from the Brood. Wow. So Brood Christian is in the game. Like you have hundreds, different versions of Andre. You've got Jerry the King Lawler, you know, the Kaufman era. Then you can go up to others. It's, there's literally thousands of playable characters. It's unbelievable. Now does it? bombard you with advertisements a little yeah a little gotta make that money somewhere a little i went ahead and spent the uh the 9.99 to get the ad free uh, version well no to get the shane mcmahon oh double pack which uh in 30 days i get uh paul orndorff wow so they always get you with those upgrades yeah they really know how to get you in and the very next one that i can get is uh for 4.99 is uh the uh the old dead man undertaker the the last cowboy the last outlaw undertaker so cool yeah i'll have to check it out it's it's not a bad game man if you really actually download it and give it a shot i guarantee you you'll be addicted to it as well i'm busy watching hogan b movies you know my time is very valuable on a sadder note though seriously a good friend of mine ivan koloff has been diagnosed with uh or diagnosed sorry with uh liver cancer 
Terrible so, stuff. How old is uh, Mr. Koloff now? Ivan's probably in his 80s. I don't know wow. exactly. But keep my dear friend in your thoughts and prayers. And uh, as he battles through this, I would just like to reach out to him and let him know that we are thinking about him here at the at the show. And we were always willing to do anything he needs to help him out. Yeah, I'll hit someone with a chain for him. Whoever yeah. he wants. Great man. Unbelievable preacher. So uh, best of luck to you, buddy. Yeah, not many, not many legends left, unfortunately. Also, the fact that he's not in the Hall of Fame still kind of makes him a, Yeah, the only WWF champion that's not in the Hall of Fame. Really? Yeah, wow. the only one. That's odd, then. Yeah, XFL thirty for thirty. Yeah, I'm about to watch it today, so I hope that it was worth the the. Uh, I hope it was worth the hour that it takes to watch. It. It's actually an hour and a half. It is good. Okay. It really, it's very intense because they get into the fact of some idiot not filling up the generators. They get into the fact of losing the, the feed because of it. They get into the fact their of their blimp crashed. Their blimp crashed. Pissing J-Lo off. While oh, yeah, SNL. So she had to sit there and wait at SNL. So they, they really got into the whole the whole nine yards. They They talked about it all. But it was a very positive outlook on the league, right? It wasn't. Because Vince McMahon wouldn't have signed up to participate. It was also direct positive and negative. I mean, they gave it to you blunt. Here it is, and Vince will sit there and say, "I fucked up on this, or I did awesome on this part, but we screwed up here." It's worth the watch. Oh, absolutely. It's directed by uh, Dick Ebersol's son, which on all these wrestling documentaries and all the history of WWE, and you can even pick up the WWE encyclopedia. One thing that goes really unmentioned is how important Dick Ebersol was to. World Wrestling Federation slash entertainment because he's a longtime head of NBC Sports. Right. So without him, there's no Saturday night's main event. There's no main event. There's no deal with the USA Network, which is owned by, well, it was owned by NBC Universal. Now they're all owned by Comcast. This guy uh, has pretty much kept events on the air, you know, yeah. uh, at times, especially when the business was down. Uh, right. Dick Ebersol came through. He put. He managed to get wrestlers, you know, hosting SNL because he can call up Lauren Michaels. Dick Ebersol was at one time in charge of SNL in the 80s. He's the one that started it, actually. I didn't realize that, but they got into that talking about that he, he was the one that pitched the idea of SNL and made it work. Dick Ebersol almost died in a plane crash a few years back. So, you know, and that was before this last deal with the USA Network and yeah. stuff. So this whole TV deal, a lot of Vince's success can really be traced back to his friendship with Dick Ebersol. And a big thank you to Dick Ebersol. I mean, the XFL yeah. came about mainly because of Vince and Dick Ebersol's relationship because NBC invested in this football league. Yeah, they got into it, and they on the, on the basis of a handshake, they started showing ads. And they didn't have a team yet. They didn't have a single player or coach or cheerleader sign. They just started playing ads on on the TV station for for XFL. They had one year to to sign, train, get everything going. It was less and time so, than that for training camp and stuff. It was yeah, a I think very they got thrown a couple to- months for training. So yeah, it was it was a very thrown together uh, project. I do think. I mean, I've mentioned it before that the NFL. And football fans would greatly benefit from having another football league. Now, it doesn't have to be the XFL or anything, but especially football players, you know, there's only 52 roster spots on a team during a regular season. And if you played football your whole life, you didn't get a very good education. Maybe you came out early for the draft and then you get cut by your football team. You have nowhere to go. And this provided, even though 
the XFL, you know, famously didn't pay very much, but it did provide opportunity so that if you did shine through, you might make it back to the NFL. Or you could make that money. That's what they get into in the fact of it didn't pay very much, but the winning team of each game got like double and triple their pay. Well, it was still double and triple. It was still very low for position players, non-quarterbacks. I think quarterbacks got five grand a game or something yeah, like that. Which is enough to live on. Let's be honest here. You and I don't make. Yeah, five but they grand also had no. They also have no health insurance because. Well, so that's true. It was uh, the idea of a secondary football league. I think is still to this day a very good idea. It could have been executed differently and. I think that if Vince had stuck with it instead of giving up on it after that first season, well, NBC gave up on it first, but then Vince had the option to keep going. And had he kept going, I think that he might have, I don't know if it would have been profitable anytime soon, but if he had held out, I feel like it would have pulled through. Yeah. And also the irony of this whole documentary is that it's on ESPN. Part of the reason the league failed, ESPN didn't cover their scores. They didn't treat it like a a football league. Well, it was announced through this, through watching it, that ESPN and Vince McMahon are in the works, and possibly within a year or two, they bring back the XFL. They ended the show on that note. So, Well, ESPN and WWE have a working relationship now. That could be possible, especially ESPN in the, in the last few years. ESPN has been losing a lot of money in the last few years. They've been firing a lot of their on-air talent. And it's because rights fees for the premier leagues like NFL games, MLB games are so sports leagues charge them so much that they have to cost cut. And if they could generate, if they could create their own league and then the content, they provide their own content, basically. I mean, that would save them tons of money. Well, then you're able to go to them and be like, no, no, we're going to talk about our new deal. You're going to pay us to be on our, our station, not us pay you. But a football league largely, I mean, the NFL, one of the reason it, one of the reasons the NFL is the most popular sport in the country, there's always football talk going on. You know, today we're taping this on Super Bowl Sunday. Right. The pregame starts at one o'clock yeah. for a six thirty kick. If there's no buzz around your product, which so if ESPN's gonna ignore the XFL, the scores, the storylines, all you get is a football game with no context right. to what's going on with the teams or the players or ESPN. Oddly, my how things change, you know, uh, back in 2001, they totally blackballed the XFL. And now here they are using it to make money with for this documentary. So, yeah. And I would love to see, we've talked about it. I would love to see the games be put on the, uh, the WWE network. There's no reason those old games couldn't be uploaded. That would take two seconds. Yeah. And, uh, I know the level of play was really bad and I wouldn't watch, I don't think I'd sit through all, you know, a game that's from 2001. I wouldn't sit through the whole thing, but I definitely watch highlights of it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to check it out today. Uh, we're taking the week off next week because I'm going to be on vacation, but I wish that I had watched it so we could have taped a whole bonus episode about it, but maybe down the road we can do that. But yeah, well, uh, when you come back, we'll, we'll spend more time talking about it more in depth talking about it yeah jerry the king lawler opens up a new barbecue restaurant took over bill street now he's moving further east in the state of tennessee now do you think he stocks jr barbecue sauce no he has his own oh this is this is very this is why there's a rift this is why they can't work together on tv anymore uh, because i don't know if it's if he has jr's as well but he has his own barbecue he has king's barbecue sauce king's uh ribs rub 
all kinds of different seasonings, some some meat rub and, and all kinds of stuff. So an entrepreneur. Yeah. yeah. Jerry the King Lawler was at Royal Rumble on Sunday. They didn't use him properly, in my opinion, especially right. after the Dolph Ziggler angle on SmackDown where he got super kicked in the chest. Supposed to be that Dolph Ziggler gave him the heart attack in 2012. So he's ringside at the Royal Rumble. Dolph Ziggler's in the Rumble. No interaction. Yeah. Not even mentioned it. Yeah. You know, so why did they even bring him in to call the Rumble? And I mentioned when we were watching, we watched the Rumble together, me and Patrick had a Royal Rumble date night. We did. And I mentioned. I ordered pizza. We snuggled on the couch. It was very nice. He didn't even chime in that much during the match. Right. It, it was. They've just... got to chill out on all the commentators. You know, this ECW show we watched uh, for this review, you know how many commentators it had? One. Man, it was nice. It was, wasn't it? I could actually sit back and take in what I'm watching. And enjoy it. It's... And even though it's Joey Styles who at times really annoys me with his, was... you know, cat fight and all that stuff. I love Joey Styles. That was really nice uh, to do. But yeah, Jerry Lawler, barbecue restaurant entrepreneur. He's starting to take over, man. He's a man of many crowns. He's starting to take over. So, Maybe he'll uh, be the mayor and the uh, barbecue restaurateur in the future. So We'll get to some Royal Rumble results. Obviously, your winner for the Royal Rumble is Randy Orton. Want, want. Yeah. We got screwed. Well, No, I don't, I don't think we got screwed. I just thought that's just a safe pick yeah. for them, not yeah. for, I mean. We're going to see Randy Orton and John Cena. I don't think so. One million They're actually that's. Times. That's the match on SmackDown this week. Oh, is it? It's like their 21st meeting is Cena versus Orton on SmackDown. So the fact that they're giving it away this week on TV leads me to believe that it's not going to be wrestling. Bray will be winning the title at the Chamber. Randy's not even in the Chamber. I would be shocked if they went with Orton and Cena at WrestleMania. If that's the best you guys can do. Yeah. I mean, here was the thing about Orton winning too. It's like it's like when Del Rio won. Yeah, you might have won the Rumble, but you're going to be at least halfway down the card. Yeah, you're, you're not, not gonna, main event. No, you're not going to go on. Goldberg and Brock is the main program. Taker's going to be. it. Yeah, so you're at least main. third down. Yeah. You're probably going to be under whoever's got the universal title. To break up that, you're going to be. Un, they're going to put a You're going to be match. under the Divas or the Cruiserweights. Right. You're going to be the first. You're going to be mid to early card. Yeah, on a four-hour show. A, you're gonna, we're going to forget that that title match even happened yeah, by yeah. the time. And then Cena, he'll be in a different match. He's above you. Yeah. He's above that title. Yeah. In their defense, though, I mean, think about it. They tried to force the title go on last at WrestleMania 25, and tri- Triple H and Randy Orton could not top what Taker and Shawn Michaels did. Well, and the same thing happened at uh, WrestleMania 18 with Hogan and The Rock. Yeah. Because Triple H and Jericho had to follow that. And they couldn't do it. We've talked about before that, you know, traditionally, yes, the title should go on last, but when the when the stars are that, when there's that big of a gap between this star and this star, or this, this star and the guy who has the belt, when yeah. there's that much difference... Yeah. About who's drawing money. Yeah. You you, you got to go with the money. And it, and it kind of makes this, I hate to say this, but it kind of makes your title match up. Well, this is our bathroom break, kind of like, you know. Oh, especially if it's Orton and Cena. Yeah. I mean, my goodness. Yeah. We can't. This is our two-hour, seventh-inning stretch, stand up, run the bathroom, hit the concession stand. We'll be back in time to see Goldberg and Lesnar. 
We'll be back in time. To see. Maybe, yeah. As, we'll be as back quick as the last see. Goldberg Lesnar match went, you got to be back. What the hell in time. was that about? And as quick as he was eliminated in uh, the Royal Rumble. Yeah. I feel like, and Lesnar's not booked for their next pay per view, uh, the in between pay per view. Yeah. He looks really bad. He looks super weak going into this thing. I almost think that they damaged him so much that there's no point to this match anymore. Because it's not going to be believable when he beats him. What does Goldberg have to prove? Yeah. <laughs> He's just beaten you basically three times. I consider that tossing him out immediately in the Rumble to be almost as bad as the two-minute loss in a, in a singles yeah. match. Yeah, They've tried their best to damage this program, but it's still the program that people want to see. So, And wasn't it funny? It was They trolled us when they brought Roman Reigns in at number 30, by the way. That was... Man. And that was to make Orton's win seem okay to, for us to, to not get booed. Because it, it, we didn't want... Roman Reigns, you, you were, he can verify people. I literally came off the couch when I saw Roman Reigns get eliminated because I swear up and down if Roman was going to the main event. They had event, you. They had, they had you fooled. If Roman was going to the main event, like, I was, I was going to be pissed. Yeah, but like I said, like we say, main event means, well, still, the title car. match. Well, but he could have had title match versus, I guess, Taker. I mean, that's the direction they're going is Reigns and I Taker. I hope not, man. They're, they're going to serve Taker up to Roman Reigns. Well, I think it would turn Reigns. I mean, Reigns would definitely be the heel in that matchup. I mean, oh, you're, yeah. You're not going to boo The Undertaker. Even if The Undertaker came back as, you know, evil in some, yeah. some you're not booing Taker at this point. Yeah. So if Taker the, could go back out there and hang somebody from a noose at WrestleMania 15 <laughs> and right. still be cheered. Could, so. Yeah, he could he could lynch a police officer and yeah. still get cheered. If the direction they want to go with Reigns is to be this awesome baby face and booking him against Taker is very head scratching. Yeah. So we got Reigns, Taker, we've got Lesnar and Goldberg, but now Seth Rollins and Triple H might be a question mark because he's uh, sprained his Seth Rollins sprained his MCL Monday night after being attacked by Samoa Joe. And now he's going to miss the upcoming pay-per-view. They say he's going to be back in eight weeks. So that should be enough time to get back for WrestleMania, WrestleMania, but you never know. You could have a setback. You could who's, have. Who's to say he doesn't enter himself at Mania during to, the match? During yeah. the match, to the point that he can't finish the match. That would be a disaster. It does ramp up the storyline a little bit because one of Triple H's things that he meant he said that oh you're you got a weak knee on Monday night basically. He said you dropped the ball when you were champion. You you got injured. You know, and Triple H, even though Triple H has, has torn his quad a million times, yeah. but you're a weakling because you got injured. So yeah. Uh, but now, Joe, what do you do with Samoa Joe in the meantime? Well, see, that's the thing is I was thinking they were going to serve Samoa Joe up to Seth Rollins. It wasn't going to be Triple H and Samoa Joe. I feel like it was going to be. You mean work? they're going to work together? I mean, I figured that would be your WrestleMania. They're not going to give you Triple H just yet. They're going to. They're going to. Oh, I, the pay-per-view in between, they're not going to give you Triple H. I didn't figure they would give you Triple H at Mania. They're going to do it and build another year like kind of like Cena and Rock, to try to get a bigger payoff out of I it. I think Triple H, his ego won't allow him to just sit out WrestleMania when he's, you know, super Mr. Bodybuilder. Yeah. He, he he wants to show, he wants a big entrance and, you know. A lot of pyro. He'll be wrestling Seth Rollins, yes. Uh, 
And I thought Samoa Joe would be wrestling Seth Rollins at the in-between pay-per-view, whatever it's called, and then Triple H would interfere, but Joe would get the win still, but right. like screw Seth Rollins again. So I uh, don't know what they're going to do there, uh, but there's there's a lot of time between now and WrestleMania. I'm glad to see Joe on the main card, though. Oh, man, when he didn't show up for the Rumble, I got really worried. In yeah. fact, I thought that they might have fired him or he didn't sign a contract or yeah. something. So I'm glad that he debuted. It wasn't an awesome debut, but it was okay. If you're if you're gonna debut in the rumble and just get thrown out anyway, you might as well just wait till the next night. If you're not gonna have an awesome showing in the rumble. So my pick for the rumble was Jericho, and I was wrong. Well, and my pick was Seth Rollins, and he wasn't even in the rumble, so <laughs> we didn't do too well on our picks. We didn't, man. We. But you know what we did do well with? What's that? With your pick of Hardcore Heaven 1995. It started out really, really rough. I got really worried. <laughs> like the first three matches in yeah. Hardcore Heaven 1995. This is July 95. We're going to the ECW Arena, which I was thinking to myself earlier. Is the ECW Arena next to Madison Square Garden? Is this the most famous wrestling arena of yeah. all time? Yes. That's crazy. That a bingo hall yes. in the middle of Philadelphia that only holds 1,500 people is somehow the most infamous second arena. to Madison Square Garden. I think it's right up there with the uh, right up there with world class like Sportatorium. With the Sportatorium, the world class Sportatorium. Obviously, the Sportatorium is not there anymore. But when you think of Sportatorium, just saying that brings back images of world class. So yeah, I think it's. I would actually love to go to the. I mean. The ECW arena is still standing. Twenty three hundred arena is what it's called now. But and they do they do they uh, put on shows. Yeah, they do independence there. Well, and NXT uh, toured there. Uh, Tommy Dreamer does oh, his House of Hardcore. House of Hardcore is out of it. So yeah, it, it's actually a place that even if there was nothing going on, I would like to just step inside and just, just look. If nobody's there, I would still like to just walk in and kind of just walk around and tour it for a good 20, 30 minutes. Just, I mean, just uh, it's it's just amazing the amount of events ECW put on there, and then all the independents that have come after it and everything else. I mean, and yeah, like I said, you know, House of Hardcore now, which is picking up a ton of steam. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a special place, even though it's a dingy bingo hall with very little ventilation and uh, air conditioning. But yeah, it, it's it's just one of those. It's just crazy to me that that can become a legendary place yeah. because you always think of like big arenas like yeah the georgia dome when yeah. we're getting ready to go the omni see. yeah the omni it's july 1st in 1995 1995 a good year for atlanta sports that was the year the braves won the world series and today the falcons will go for a super bowl win their first ever hopefully They'll get it, but we will see. See, it all comes back around, people. The world revolves around wrestling. The Monday Night Wars would start later this year yep. in pro wrestling. This was, of course... This is when, uh, also, Cactus made his debut in in WWE. Mick Foley. Uh, he would show up... He'd show up at... In 96, actually, at the uh, the night after WrestleMania 12. Okay. Mankind's uh, my debut. Bad. My well, bad. but he, this is towards the end of his ECW run, which is one reason I'm glad that we watched this show because I haven't seen a lot of McFoley in ECW. So right. I was glad that he was on here. And I I totally picked this show at random because uh, it's the very, it's the oldest thing on the network for ECW under pay-per-views. Right. But this is not actually a pay-per-view. This is just a, a taped special because this is their version of pay-per-view till 97 <laughs> yeah yeah vhs tape this was. is their yeah this is their pay-per-view per se their special event special yeah, event there Let's we go that way 
We get a TVMA warning. Hey, you can always change your parental controls on any device, Patrick. I'll be sure to set yours. I know you don't like dirty dirty words. Uh, no, can't. We get a, a silent intro, and then we get that that trademark ECW static cut that they do. Yeah. How they cut between things. I don't... It, and they kept... you Even into WWE ECW, they used this static cut to cut between stuff. And it's all silent because ECW used a bunch of copyrighted music. So all the music has to be changed for this thing, and the yeah. intro is totally silent. So we get a silent intro, and then... All of a sudden, Raven and the Pitbulls are coming out. And Dancing Stevie Richards, he's out to escort them. This is like Raven's early flock, I guess. Yes. Dancing Stevie with a wonderful mullet, Patrick. Those Daisy Dukes, man. I don't see And that shirt that... That, yeah. Not More than a belly shirt. It's yeah, almost, it was a lot more than a belly shirt. It it's was, almost like a sports bra shirt. Yeah. It's a... Uh, <laughs> Quite a style your friend Steven Richards had back yeah, in 1995. Stevie was rocking it with something. I just don't know what it was. The Dudley brothers are already in the ring. This is not Bubba and Devon. Let's <laughs> let's clarify this. No, no. On the outside, we have Big Dick Dudley. And the Dudley brothers that will be wrestling tonight are Dudley Dudley and Snot Dudley. Yes. You know, I bet both of these guys are still alive i bet they sit around and are so pissed off that <laughs> devon and bubba ray have kept this thing going yeah and have made tons and tons of money opening a second wrestling school coming up in a few months and you know snot and dudley dudley are just sitting at home you know what could have been what could do i want to go meet bubba and devon or do i want to go meet snot <laughs> just just saying at the autograph signing table i bet snot's line is a lot shorter than uh, yeah, yeah. devon and bubba's yeah Beulah is also out with uh, Raven and the crew. Pitbull number two, Anthony Durante, is going to start the match, and he scoop slams Snot. Pitbull Gary tags in and hits a side head kick to Snot. Then Dudley Dudley, or as I call him, D-squared, he tags in. He's going to fight with Pitbull number two. Double D, though, they underestimated Dudley Dudley because he gets the best of Pitbull two and beats him down in the corner, and then scoop slams Pitbull number two. For whatever reason, despite getting the upper hand, he immediately tags back in Snot, who had zero offense in this match, Patrick. So Snot gets back in, and then boring chance break out. You wonder why the Dudleys are not remembered except for Devon and Bubba Ray. That's all I'm saying. So this match really starts dragging here, yeah. and we get boring yeah. chance. Then Pitbull Gary slingshots into the ring. Pitbull Gary is Pitbull number one, by the way. He slingshots into the ring and shoulder blocks Snot Dudley. Then we cut to the outside of the ring where Stevie Richards kisses a girl in the crowd. Just making out with some random fan, Patrick. Do you know who this was? Who was this, this was totally random, not planted fan? The queen of extreme, Francine. Francine? Francine. Wow. This is her ECW debut, basically. Beulah sees dancing Stevie making out. She does not like this. No. And we get our first Joey Styles cat, cat fight. fight. And the cat fight includes Stevie Richards in yes. the cat fight because Stevie's a cat. He's, he's a about cat the size of these women. He is rail thin. He is very skinny. Stevie wasn't muscular back in the uh, the mid-90s. So. Raven oh. catches wind of this cat fight, and he's very upset with this. So he grabs Beulah and Stevie by the hair and drags them back to the back. It's unacceptable for Raven. Meanwhile, back in the ring, there's a match going on. Pitbull number two, super power bomb, Snot Dudley. And that should be the win, right? A super power bomb. Yeah. 
But Dudley Dudley breaks up the pin with an axe handle from the top rope on Pitbull number two. And then he rolls snot on Pitbull number two. And the Dudley brothers somehow win this shitty match in six minutes, 25 seconds. This was your tag title champions just... No, the tag title champions... Titles weren't on the line. No, that was Raven and Stevie Richards had the belt. Oh, okay. Remember, there's an intergender tag team title match coming up later tonight. That's right. I was wrong. No, when I first saw this, I thought, this is some bullshit. The tag champs are coming out to manage another tag team. Why don't we get the tag champs? Yeah, yeah. But yes, Snot Dudley, who did nothing in this match other than get beat up, who only got hit with an axe handle. By the way, uh, you're welcome, Gary. Gary's been hitting me up about us doing an ECW pay-per-view, so here you go. Boy, at the end of this match, I thought, wow, what have I gotten us into? Yeah. Sorry, pal. Yeah. I was like, this is going to be bad. Yeah. The Pitbulls scream at Joey Styles, and I can only gather that they're mad at Raven. The audio is so bad on their promo, and they're just screaming. Yeah. I have no idea what they're saying, but I got... I got the sense that they're mad at Raven and Stevie for leaving. He starts ranting Raven and I think the ranting the, at Raven. Yeah, ranting at Raven. And uh but he was uh I think the 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 button, the bleep button was used a few times as well because uh, they were heavy on the bleep button on this uh network version of yeah, this uh show. He was he was really letting some 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 F bombs fly there so well this match was really uh nothing no this, this was, was all bad start this man. was all for what happened on the outside of the ring yeah what this, happened on the inside didn't matter other than that the dudley brothers somehow pinned one of your push tag teams so a complete dumbass booking move so we go back to the ring <laughs> yes here's your and, match of the night and we have two jobbers i'm saying this because i don't even know what their names are Okay, I, I wrote them down. They don't, two of them don't have, well, actually, most of them don't have Wikipedia pages, so I couldn't do any you research on them. couldn't even do them. research on them. Okay. This is Chad Austin and Broad Street Bully. Okay. They're going to battle Dino Sendoff and Donnie Allen. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. I, I knew when you saw this, you were like, oh, match of the night. You, I got, I got about, I'm not going to lie, dude. I got about two minutes and I actually fast forward. To the point that nine you were lucky, yeah. Nine on one came out because I was really getting nervous here, thinking, "Dude, you screwed me, <laughs> you screwed me." Yeah, yeah. You were gonna, compl- you were gonna say, "Oh, Bachwinkle and Dory Funk was nothing compared to this match." But uh, yeah, like for real. <laughs> luckily, luckily they saved us. ECW saved us from a long match between these guys. Uh, the only move that really happens in the match, Chad Austin nearly breaks his neck off a back body drop. He, I did see that. I th- I, <laughs> it's hard to botch a back body drop because if you if you're if you shoot someone over and you you don't release their legs until they are fully rotated. Right. That is just a normal indie wrestling. That way, if they don't rotate, you can hold on to them and it would be a flatjack. However, he shoots him so high up in the air. I don't know what this kid wasn't thinking about. Well, let's just tuck and roll. <laughs> yeah, good idea. <laughs> yeah. At, at, right after that's when I hit my fast forward <laughs> and I see 911 come out and that's when I was like, oh, okay. You get you both suck chance from the crowd. Then Joey Styles jokes that this match will never see the light of day. Well, he's wrong. We're seeing it. <laughs> and then he says, he mentions this is like a WCW match where no one can tell the jobbers from the stars oh, or something like that. Oh, wow. So, then, yes, we are rescued by Paul E. and 911. They come down to the ring. 911 choke slams everyone, and this match is over. He gets a standing ovation for this. And then 
a poly chant breaks out. 911 gets an encore chant. They want 10 choke slams. The crowd was chanting for 10 more choke slams. Yes. The choke slam was very over. Uh, for 911, it was. Polly grabs the mic while 911 grabs Alan and Austin and double choke slams them. No, he double choke slams them, and then Polly says, Welcome to EC fucking W. Yes. Bill Alfonso was watching this match for some reason. Now, Bill Alfonso is playing the part of the state appointed referee. I guess the ECW was probably running into some regulatory problems in the in the Pennsylvania State Athletic Commission probably yes. was not too thrilled with what ECW was doing so this was a jab at them I'm sure that Bill Alfonso Fonzi is a state appointed ref and he was watching this in disgust and then we cut away there's no further follow up to that and then the largest man I've ever seen in a professional wrestling ring. Big Val. Val Puccio. Do you think he is bigger than King Mabel? Yes. I, not I do taller, too. Not taller, but fatter, yes. Yes, I agree. Val Puccio, the biggest, widest, fattest man I've ever seen. He is- remind me of, of Haystacks Calhoun. He was pushing literally right at the 600-pound mark. So Val Puccio is going to take on Hack Myers. This is not Sandman in WCW, Hack Myers. This is, <laughs> let's clarify this. This is yes, not This is not Sandman. hardcore Hack. This is Hack Wrestling Hardcore. Yes, yes. Hack Myers, whose real name is Donald Haviland, uh, he was a big name on the Florida independent scene in the 90s. He retired in the late 90s and helped train wrestlers like Tyson Tomko. So there you go. There's your Hack Myers trivia fact there the crowd loves hack myers for some reason he's billed from the last house on the left which i imagine is like parts unknown same kind of place last house on the left joey badmouths wcw again before they start this match Uh, they start the match by just yelling at each other from across the ring the crowd boos the standoff immediately hack tries a body slam but he can't do it and he hurts his back trying to lift this massive valpuccio myers finally gets the big man off his feet with a clothesline then Puccio lands a slow pair of splashes. These splashes are like in slow, way, very slow motion. Yeah. The crowd chants, you can't walk to Val Puccio, <laughs> which when I first heard it, I thought they were chanting, you can't fuck, <laughs> which I thought that's kind of low. You know, there's no need to attack him based on that, you know? Right, right. I said, big Val Puccio's haircut is something I think you should try, Patrick. Yeah, no, I'm the, good. Uh, the bald with the, the back only the back part of the mullet uh, remaining. I'm good. I'm good. Thank you, though. Boring chance as Val hits a world's strongest slam on Hack Myers. Then Puccio misses a running elbow drop, and somehow Hack Myers just throws his hand over him and pins him in 730. Whew, man, that was a long seven minutes. Yes, it, this has been a long 30 minutes to open the show. These first three matches, I thought, this is shit. 911 saved us in these well 911 did save that last segment but still it's like other than just getting him over i mean why didn't he run out immediately why did they even give us a minute of yeah chad austin yeah puccio does not like that he lost this match so he splashes myers and gets all his heat back now on to the real card yeah now <laughs> the real card starts yeah 30 minutes into this two-hour uh show on the network taz and two cold scorpio are in the ring and i thought okay this should at least be pretty good Right. Too Cold Scorpio is one of those wrestlers that I never hear any fans complain about. He's like universally liked. Even now. Yeah. You book him, if you book him for an indie show, I guarantee you, you are going to get an unbelievable match. It's a shame that uh, Flash Funk never really uh, took off. I loved Flash Funk. That was a great gimmick. I mean, if they, 
if they had stuck with it just a little bit longer, he could have been the Godfather, and then everything would have that changed. Is, that is so true. So true. So Scorpio jobs with the crowd. He's the heel in this match, and he stalls at first. Scorpio blocks a Taz plex early. The crowd is really behind Taz. Polly's out with Taz, by the way. He's his manager. Scorpio hits a woeful side suplex while Taz has him in a rest hold. Taz hits a belly-to-belly on Scorpio, and then Scorpio Scorpio bails outside. Scorpio monkey flips Taz and hits a super kick. A very cool combination. Then Scorpio powerbombs Taz and hits a double underhook. A double underhook suplex for a two count. The crowd chants Virgil at Scorpio, which I don't think they look a lot alike. I kind of (laughs) do. If Scorpio didn't have any hair, maybe it would be closer to Virgil. Did Virgil ever have hair? I don't think so. No, he did not. Virgil hits a stand... Some Virgil. Scorpio. (laughs) If Virgil hit a standing moonsault, I would give him a standing ovation. But Scorpio (laughs) hits a standing moonsault. But chooses not to cover Taz. Scorpio instead tries to splash off the top rope, but Taz gets his knees up. Scorpio hits a rock bottom and then calls for the 450. Taz hits a Tazplex, though, before he can do it, and this slows Scorpio down. The crowd starts chanting, whoop, there it is, to date this pay-per-view from being in 1995. Too cold Scorpio tombstones Taz. He jumps to the top rope and hits a corkscrew somersault leg drop that they call the Tumbleweed, and it gets a standing ovation from the ECW crowd, even though he was a heel. They appreciated. I I would love to see somebody in WWE now try that move. He was wrestling very slow compared to like how a cruiserweight would wrestle, but he was still doing stuff that nobody else was doing. That's, and, what, that's what was awesome about Too Cold. So it gets a huge standing ovation, but then Taz suddenly wakes up and hits a Tazplex and lands Scorpio square on his head. Taz gets the three with Scorpio's foot on the ropes. And then Fonzie gets in the ring and argues that Too Cold Scorpio's foot was on the match and demands that this match be restarted. Polly gets in the ring and Fonzie says to him, look, if a wrestler touches me, he'll shut down ECW. If he's assaulted by a wrestler, this whole thing... This whole operation's over. Polly says, I'm not a wrestler. <laughs> and that he's going to kick his ass. So Scorpio, but before he can, Scorpio gets a chair and decks Taz from behind. And then Fonzie punches Polly. And then Scorpio leg drops the chair on Taz. Fonzie makes the count. And Scorpio wins the match, yeah. I think. So there you have it. I just have win, and both of them win. Because there's really no... Both get the W. Yeah. That's a good way to keep... Yeah, keep both wrestlers. They both won the match. Yeah. Congratulations. So what'd you think of this match? It was a great match. I thought it was very, very slow between the two of them. It was uh, It was entertaining for... for. It was a hell of a lot entertaining than Snot Dudley. Snot Dudley's your new favorite wrestler now. Yeah, I really enjoyed this match, but I thought it was very slow um, between the two of them. Uh, when Scorpio did hit his big spot, so it was it was awesome. Yeah, um, Taz. I would have liked to have seen a lot more suplexes from Taz. He he kind of just took a lot of the offense in this match, but uh, I can definitely see where the legend of Taz is growing in ECW at this point. So then Joey Styles. We cut to Joey Styles in the ring. He's got an American flag tie. I mean, it is Fourth of July weekend, Patrick. If you call the Hardcore Hotline tonight, you can get details on Shane Douglas. He's in contract negotiations with the WWF. 
Yeah. Well, you don't even have to call the hotline. You don't have to call the hotline. You know why? Because he's coming to the <laughs> ring. <laughs> Shane Douglas, who shows up in bright yellow shorts, disgusting looking they shorts. They were neon yellow, man. These things were ugly. He shows up in his bright yellow shorts and runs down Joey and says he built this organization. He's wearing a WWF t-shirt, which has to be blurred out, of course. Can't show those. Those three letters in combination can never be shown again. So it's blurred out, but he's wearing Damn a w- pandas damn pandas so he's got his blurred out wwf shirt the crowd chants na 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 goodbye then he all of a sudden decides to run down rick flair again this guy built his whole career on running down a wrestler not in his organization it would be like if i went to you know an, an indie wrestling out in you know north georgia and said john cena you won't show up here to fight me you're a big pussy and just did this for several years and just made a living out of it. Yeah. It's a totally... Why once, not? It was brilliant for him. It got him a career. Why not? It's very stupid, though. To, I mean, he's never going to show up to fight you. You piss somebody off bad enough, they'll show up. And at that point in time, hey, listen, I've took an ass whipping before. I ain't afraid to take another one. If it gets my name out there, I'll say and do whatever the hell I got to do. Yeah, why not make your name on Ric Flair's back, <laughs> you know, on his coattails? I'll piggyback on you. I don't give a damn. It's just funny, though, because you know that Ric Flair probably had no idea any of this was going on. Oh, I'm it's pretty sure It's a totally one-sided feud. I'm sure someone said, ah, this guy's Shane Douglas and ECW saying stuff. Because Rick to this day, still really No, I don't off. think so. He doesn't. Yeah, so while he was busy making, uh, you know, 500 grand, I don't think he really cared what... You know, Dean Douglas was saying about him in ECW. So he runs down Ric Flair in the crowd. The crowd starts wooing at Shane Douglas. Shane runs down ECW again for running off his back. The crowd was awesome for this, just by the way. Yeah, I'm going to include the whole promo here. We want Flair chance breakout. Shut the fuck up chance breakout. He tells the wrestling journalists that they suck. Shane's a pussy chance then breakout. He mentions being friends with Cactus Jack. He tells the crowd to shut up, that he's gone. By the way, he's not lying. He would go on to sign with the WWF in a few months. He would leave the company after the next TV special, Heat Wave, the next tape special, Heat Wave. Yeah. And then he would appear on Superstars at the end of July. So at the end of the month, he's going to be in the WWF as Dean Douglas. Yeah. So there you go. He wasn't, he wasn't lying. Shane going to WWF as Dean Douglas. Good idea, bad idea. Well, at the time they were doing, you know, they were still doing cartoony characters in the WWF. I wouldn't have gone. And and that's a rough decision to make. If you look at the way ECW was picking up steam. But the fact is, you know, money talks. Oh, yeah. I don't blame him for going because if someone offers me a bunch of money, you know, much more than I'm making now to go do the same thing, I'll go do it. I think it's the WWF's fault for not capitalizing on the franchise character. To go from what he is in ECW to Dean Douglas is so counterintuitive. Uh, yeah, a school teacher or whatever. Like it's what made you what made what made us want to sign you, you know? That's yeah. how you were in ECW. So that's we can tone it down a little bit, but keep it going in the same direction. That's I mean the way he was in WCW when he was teaming with uh with Buff Bagwell. If if I knew that's what they were doing with me though, and and I can say this and I know I'm going to get flack for it because people are like, oh, no, you won't. If you get a chance to go, you'll go. If if I knew they were going to do that to me, I would have said no and not gone. He probably felt, though, no matter what, he can go get the money, he can go get paid, and then he can always come back if he wants to. The door's yeah. always going to be open for him. Yeah. And that's what happened. Nancy Sullivan, woman, comes down to the ring and tells him that he's not leaving. The crowd tells Shane he's got a Woody for Nancy Sullivan. Then he tells woman... 
She's a hoe bag. And then he gets slapped for telling her this. She goes to slap him again, and he grabs her hand. And, you know, Joey Styles tries to talk him down. But lucky for us, Sandman, the yeah. hero, Sandman, comes in, who's in a red shirt and his America pajama pants, comes in and saves the day. And then Cactus Jack runs down to the ring and runs him off. And that's how the segment ends. But there you go. How awesome is a wrestler that can wrestle in pajama pants? Yeah, he has my dream work. You know, I mean, I'm basically in the same uniform today, but <laughs> right. I mean to be the world champion is wrestling in t-shirts. He's smoking a cigarette, drinking beer, drinking beer, and wearing pajamas, <laughs> and he's your champion. Yeah, to be the top guy. <laughs> That's awesome. He had it made. I never, you know, awesome. I've never understood the lore of Sandman. But look, if someone. Just like I'd sign with the WWF, if someone said, you're going to be world champion, you can wrestle in pajama pants, and you don't really have to know many wrestling moves. You can just hit people with a stick. I'd say, yeah. sign me up. Works for me. It worked for him in WCW also. Uh, not so much. I mean, WCW was... He made the big money, though. Get paid. He made that Always money. get paid. Shane Douglas on the way out says he's going to teach Sandman the lesson of his life tonight, so we have that to look forward to. Then I thought that the tape had messed up because all of a sudden we're... Smash cut to Raven and Stevie Richards are out with Beulah. And I'm like, we already saw this. Like, what is going on? But then they're out to face Tommy Dreamer, who has an Alice in Chains dub theme song that actually sounds sort of like the actual song Man in the Box. So yeah. he is out with Luna. Tommy and Luna Vachon are going to try to become the first intergender tag team champions tonight. And Tommy Dreamer looks like he's 15 years old. He is very young looking here in 1995. Raven jumps them before they get to the ring. He's not going to let them get to the ring. Stevie is going to take on Luna in the ring. And Luna and Stevie, like I said earlier, Stevie's very small here. Luna is about the same size as Stevie. Yeah. They're going to fight in the ring while Raven and Dreamer battle on the outside. Dreamer DDTs Raven to start the match. So I, he should have just rolled Raven in the ring and won the match right there. Luna grabs Stevie with the testicular claw and chucks him across the ring. So a young Joey Ryan probably saw this. Uh, she locks it in again and Tommy then grabs Stevie and hits a fallaway slam. Luna hits a swinging neck breaker on Stevie. Then Tommy takes Raven out to the fans who assist with frying pans yes. and take Raven out for Tommy. Yes. That's nice. Yeah. Always an assist from the fans. Raven blades from this. Tommy grabs a TV antenna from the back and beats Raven with it. Jabs him right between the legs with it, too. It was ugly. Tommy then grabs a newspaper dispenser, the first time I've ever seen a newspaper dispenser used in a wrestling match, and slings Raven into it. Then Tommy and Luna crush Stevie's skull in the ring with an ironing board. They got an ironing board from the crowd. Raven signals for a DDT to Luna on the concrete, but Stevie hits... Hits her with a chair instead, so Stevie kind of saved her from a DDT. And he stopped his own partner from doing a move on the opponent. Yes. Very weird. Raven then slams Tommy, who was wrestling with a broken hand. He grabs Tommy's broken hand, puts it in the newspaper machine, and then slams the door onto Tommy's broken hand. He then runs Tommy's broken hand on the guardrail. And then he DDTs Tommy on the newspaper machine. So the newspaper machine got a lot of work tonight. <laughs> Hope it got a good... Good night's uh, payday. Good payday. Raven and Stevie double suplex Luna and then double DDT her. Stevie covers her, but the ref doesn't see it at first, and Luna kicks out of a double DDT at two. Raven gets tied up in the ropes, and Luna superplexes Stevie Richards off the top rope. She covers, but Beulah comes in with the freedom powder and throws it in Luna's eyes. Richards rolls over. 
pins Luna and the heels win in seven minutes and thirty four seconds. Very, I thought this was a very entertaining match. Actually, yeah, I, it, I didn't. It made me. It made me remember what Luna Vachon could really do as a female wrestler. Yeah, very underrated. Very underrated. And the the way that they used her, you know, yeah. I mean, I thought this match was just a great example of like a garbage brawl instead of just yeah. getting a trash can lid, fight, hitting you with it, you walk that way a while, get come back, hit me with a trash can lid. Yeah. This was set up in a way that it just never dragged. Yeah. And uh you had one of the one of the two opponents were were doing something. 24-7. It didn't look like, like a WCW hardcore match or, you know, right. the hardcore invitational, so to speak. So uh, I thought this was very good for a, for a garbage brawl. Yeah. Todd Gordon is in the ring. He calls out Fonzie. Todd Gordon assigns Fonzie the Taipei death match, which when this match, when I saw the people walking out for this match, I recalled that you and I watched this match, I think, on 24-7. So I had actually seen this match before. We and did. I was not thrilled with what I was going to witness as far as the amount of blood this was, that was going to be spilt this was in gruesome. this match. Ladies and gentlemen, if you watch this match, I cannot... If you don't like blading in pro wrestling... If you don't like blood... Yeah. I mean, extreme, excessive amounts of blood, do not watch this match. Now, that is straight from the heart. No BS. <laughs> That is real, as real can be. This is almost uh, Shawn Michaels Triple H level blood from that match they had in yes. the uh, WWE. Yeah, this is this is rough. So Todd Gordon assigns the Taipei death match, which is, of course, broken glass glued to your fist. Always a good idea. You, you wrap up your fist, you dip them in hot glue, and then you dip them in broken glass and shards of metal or whatever you can get your hands on, basically. Ian Rotten is out first. He's going to take on Axel Rotten. This is the Bad Breed Breakup. The breakup of a legendary ECW tag team. And uh, you call it a blood feud. Well, that's exactly what this match is. That's right. Axel, as he comes out, shows the crowd his tape fist. He wants them to know this is not a gimmicked glove or whatever. Yeah. You know, he's got shards on there. Joey said if it's blood you want, it's blood you're going to get. Well... They delivered on that promise. Axel hits Ian first, and now Ian is bleeding from his face. Fonzie stops the match to check on it, and then grabs the mic and says the match is over because Ian can't see through the blood. It was Someone one some little sense. trickle. Let's per- let's one punch, one little trickle. That's how much glass was on his fist. But it was one little trickle of blood. I've bled more. I've bled more than that in a ring, and uh, and Fonzie stops it. Right. And, and uh, then all of a sudden, the gangsters and Public Enemy, our main event, come brawling out of the back, and the police have to break it up. And Fonzie goes out for some reason to help the police arrest New Jack. Fonzie, not a law enforcement official. I don't know why he decided to go. I don't know why he decided to go intervene in this. But then Todd Gordon comes back out and he says, uh, "Is Fonzie gone?" <laughs> and the he, crowd says, "Yes." <laughs> then he goes, "Did he really fucking just leave?" And I was, I was like, "Oh, that's funny." And then the crowd says. Yes, and they, he says, restart the match. <laughs> so they restart this bloodbath here. Ian digs his fist into the arm of Axel and then slices into his head, and Ian rakes his hand across Axel's head, and he cuts into his head again. I mean, this was- they would spend 20 seconds slicing into each other's heads. Yes. Just, oh, man. This is why if you ever saw Axel Rotten in his later years, his forehead looked like hamburger. Uh, at one point, it's pretty brutal. Axel grabs Ian's head and squeezes his gloves like 
like the old crush finishing move like yeah. s- tries to squeeze his head with his uh taped gloves and it was just sick. Yeah. Ian is just covered in blood now. I've never seen a wrestler with more blood, I yeah. think, on him than Ian Rotten in this match. In fact, Ian stumbles around and falls down, probably from the blood loss. Axel covers for two. Axel grinds the glass into Ian's head some more. Then Ian low blows Axel. Ouch, man. Then Ian DDTs Axel and goes outside for what does this match need? What what could be missing from this match, Patrick, that a man would need to bring into the ring? Chair. No, Patrick. Table. Not a chair. Oh, no. That, stop talking all that weak shit, Patrick. Yeah. We need thumbtacks. Thumbtacks. In this already brutal violent match so ian brings in the bag of thumbtacks sprinkles him in the ring he tries a pile driver but instead axel back body drops ian into the tax who's already coated in blood yeah then axel hits the old ultimate warrior running splash and gets the win in 710 when people think of what ecw was that that they people that don't watch pro wrestling that might have a clue have heard about ECW, they yeah. would think this is every match, basically. And it's not. It's not. But this is one element of the entire product, you know, like... This match, I think, is what set out from 95 that, listen, yeah, we do hardcore, but we're not hardcore like what Joe Schmo thinks we are. If you have two guys that are willing to do that to themselves... Oh, yeah, I would never sign up for that match. No. And then think of how nasty that ring was after just all the... Oh, yeah. And you still had two matches to go. In yeah. It. They had to wrestle in all that blood. It That was... that was It's it's a brutal, brutal match. If you want to see it, I recommend you watch it because it is an absolutely great match. You're going to have to scrub through. They didn't put uh, bookmarks in this pay-per-view on the network. Yeah. So, so you'll have to just kind of work with it. But it is... Viewer discretion is strongly advised. Yeah, just uh, FYI. I think the drugstores in Philadelphia ran out of uh, aspirin because these guys just bled everywhere. It seemed like this was not the last match in their feud either. This should have been the final match in their feud. No, this was the very first Taipei death match. Right, yeah. Yeah, these these guys love the company. They really love the company. We get a smash cut to Luna, Raven, Dreamer, and Richards. Now I'm like, okay, now it's on repeat because we've seen this three times already. But the Pitbulls come out and tease super bombs to Dreamer and Luna. They won't powerbomb Luna, so effectively the Pitbulls turn face because they will not yep. hurt a woman. And then they turn on Raven and Richards, but then the Dudley brothers run out and attack the Pitbulls. So now the Dudley brothers have sided with Raven and Richards. Dudley Dudley and Snot. Yes, Dudley Dudley and Snot have now joined Raven's Raven's Nest. Groupies, yeah. And then, so essentially, yes, that's all that happened was we swapped because then, so Dreamer and Luna are now aligned with the Pitbulls. And Raven and Richards are now aligned with the Dudleys. That was the whole point of this segment. Now we get Sandman who is out with his dubbed over theme music, which kills his entrance. He is like, his entrance takes like four minutes. He could smoke that whole cigarette. Basically, We watched him smoke a whole cigarette. Yeah, one, like one and a half cigarettes, <laughs> drink a whole beer, then pour a beer on people and on himself. So we're, we're two beers in, cigarette and a half. He's already bleeding, and he hadn't even done ca- a thing. Yeah, no, cactus hadn't even come out yet. This is the only time I'll ever do it, but he's almost like The Undertaker in that his entrance is like half 
not half, but a big part of his whole persona right. is this entrance. Right. But with the dubbed over theme music over the actual Metallica song here, it just kind of kills that, it. That is the only time you will ever hear Sandman and Taker <laughs> in a sentence together. Okay? This is it. Mark it down. <laughs> so he is, by the way, this man is the champion. Like I said earlier, the, the man in pajama pants is the champion. He's going to take on Cactus Jack, who comes out with barbed wire wrapped around his fist. And then here we go. Woman throws a cup in Mick's eyes to start the match. And that means Sandman tees off on Mick with a cane. Sandman chucks Mick outside, leaps over the top, and hits him with the cane, which I don't think would make the cane shot any more intense, really. Well, Cactus also has barbed wire. Oh, okay. Keep, keep that in mind. He had his fist tape up with barbed wire. Mick slows him down with a DDT, and they get back in the ring. Mick gets the cane. Now Mick gets to cane Sandman, and he does it right in, can- in Sandman's face. I almost call him Cane Man, but he's Sandman. And he gets caned in the face several times. Then Mick steals a chair from the audience and hits Sandman in the head. Then Sandman decides to cane Mick for a while and he canes him in his barbed wired fist. So this has backfired on Mick Foley, this barbed wire fist. Sandman hits a pathetic looking DDT on Mick uh, Foley. It's almost, it's like that roll through the roll of the dice. That's what it almost looked like. This, this really bad DDT. And then Foley sells his elbow for some reason from this DDT. Sandman scoop slams Mick, hits a slingshot leg drop, gets a two count. Then he slams Mick on a chair. Woman, who had left the ring, brings out another kendo stick as if we need more and some barbed wire. Now, okay, if I see you, you're my friend, Patrick. You're in a match. Yes. You need some weapons, right? Yes. Okay, now I'm going to bring you out a kendo stick and some barbed wire. Yes. How would you use that barbed wire? I want to wrap it around my opponent or around something and hit them with it. You wouldn't do like Sandman and wrap it around yourself? No. This was the dumbest thing I think I've ever seen. (laughs) Why didn't he just take the cane and start beating himself with it, too? I mean, he wraps it around his beer gut. And then starts, like, running. And then tries to splash Mick with it, which hurts himself more than Mick. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So there you go. He hits a pathetic looking splash from the top rope, which he lands on his feet and then just kind of falls forward on Mick Foley. And then that gets a a very quick you fucked up chant from the crowd. Cactus hits his signature elbow drop with the chair from the apron to Sandman, who's now on the outside. Then Mick pulls Sandman's t-shirt over his face and kind of locks it in with the barbed wire that Sandman had put on himself, and then leg drops him on his head, and the crowd loved this move. Sandman's chest is now bloody from the barbed wire that he put on himself. Yes. And then Mick chokes him. Woman comes in and canes Cactus, and then Mick Foley. Oh, my goodness. He grabs Woman, but he just shoves her down. He doesn't get too physical with Woman. Cactus breaks the kendo stick in half, and Sandman, Mick, and the ref all collide, as Sandman was trying to jump Mick, so the ref takes a ref bump, which the ref doesn't need to take a ref bump in ECW, but okay. Shane Douglas now runs into no reaction. The crowd totally dead on Shane Douglas's big run-in. He Well, he pile-drives Sandman, then he grabs the mic. Then he turns on Mick Foley, his best friend. Yeah. He just talked about him earlier in the night, and hits him right between the eyes with a kendo stick. Sandman then crawls over Mick and wins the match in 13.05. As Shane tells the ECW crowd to kiss his ass goodbye, he also said, the lesson he taught Sandman, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. Yes. That was the lesson he wanted to teach the or Sandman. Or keep your enemies right beside you, as he put it. Is that what he said? Yes, he was. He, he, he screwed that phrase up so bad. He screwed it up so bad. 
Todd Gordon is very upset with the ending of this match. He tries to correct it. Shane says, well, how about instead you get on your knees and beg me to stay? So Todd Gordon drops down on one knee and he says, on behalf of me and all the ECW fans, you're fucking fired. (laughs) Don't let the door hit your ass on the way out. (laughs) Douglas and Dex... Todd Gordon and rips his clothes off. Nine one one chance breakout, but nobody's out to save poor Todd. No. Until nine one one does come out after Todd's been thoroughly beaten and choke slams Shane Douglas, so everyone can go home happy knowing that uh Shane Douglas got his comeuppance from nine one one. Now you would think that this match would be over, right? This 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 whole pay per view is over. We just the title had, match. We just had a title match, yeah. Wrong. I thought that this was Public Enemy was put on last because, oh, they're about to go to WCW or something. Maybe this is a big send-off. But no, this is like the first match they have with the gangsters. Yeah. This is the beginning of their feud. I thought it was the ending of the feud. But no, for some reason, because this is on tape, I don't know that this actually went on last. It might have been edited around to where... Right. But even then, the reason it goes on last is what happens at the end of the match with the crowd and the big dance party. Yeah. But yeah... I'm not putting that over my title match, especially after, and the Shane Douglas thing, that would have been perfect to end the show on. Yeah. Instead, we get the public enemy. They're out to a big reaction. The crowd loves public enemy, and they're dubbed over theme music. And our very first here at Retro Wrestling Podcast, our very first match with my good friend, New Jack. Oh, geez. New Jack. Oh, man. The gangsters come out, Mustafa and New Jack. They brawl immediately. Now, I mentioned earlier that Raven match was a good garbage brawl. This is just sort of a plunder brawl. This is not... There's no real art to this match, I'd say. Crutches, soda cans, chairs. Grunge is bleeding immediately. Lots of plunder. Mustafa and Rocco rock battle through the bleachers. Grunge gets an umbrella and hits New Jack in the balls with it. Sort of like Jack Gallagher at the Royal Rumble. Uh, Lots of uh, umbrellas lately in wrestling. Then Rocco Rock hits the drive-by, which is a front flip off the announcer's stage, which is like half a story up where Joey Styles calls the match. He does this front flip off the announce stage onto Mustafa through a table. So a very... Big spot from Rock or Rock. Only about 30 people in this small arena could probably actually see what happened. Yeah. Then Mustafa suplexes Rocco onto the table. It doesn't break, though. Ouch. And Mustafa has to smash him through it. New Jack hits a stun gun on Johnny Grunge in the ring. Then Johnny Grunge somehow finds a mailbox and decides to hit New Jack with it. Then Rocco Rock gets thrown into a floor fan and breaks the fan in this hot arena. What an asshole this guy is. <laughs> I'm sure they were pissed off about losing that fan. Then Grunge puts New Jack on a table in the ring. He leg drops New Jack through the table, which I thought was an awesome looking leg drop. Yeah, Because he like, he lands on one foot, basically. He has like, it's almost like a scissor kick through the table. From Johnny Grunge, who's a very big man. Yeah. Mustafa comes back into the ring to help New Jack. Grunge is thrown into half of a table and the impact from his face hitting the table puts this blood stain. All over the table. It looks like something out of a video game. Someone offers Grunge a cantaloupe to hit Mustafa with, but Grunge rejects the cantaloupe. He will not hit him with this fruit. And he hits Mustafa with a keyboard instead. Yes. A shout out to all those internet fans, Joey Styles said. ECW chants start to break out. The New Jack and Rocco Rock brawl on the outside. Mustafa power slams Grunge for a two count. 
Rocco hits Mustafa with the mailbox to the balls. Then Grunge has now found a croquet mallet and hits New Jack in the balls with it. Rocco has New Jack on a table and moonsaults through a table but only gets a two count. That should have been the end of the match. Yeah. And then Rocco Rock hits Mustafa in the back of the head. He was up on the top turnbuckle for a move. He hits him in the back of the head with the croquet mallet and gets a fast count from the ref. A three count in 11 minutes, 33 seconds. And Joey Styles, yes, tells us that this is the first match in New Jack and Gangsta's feud, which I thought had been going on for years at this point. But yeah. this is the beginning. And uh, I thought it was for a bad garbage brawl. It was a really good, bad garbage brawl for a plunder match. It wasn't as good. I thought the Raven Dreamer match was better uh, with Luna and Stevie Richards. But with these four, with Public Enemy and and uh, the Gangstas, this is this is pretty much how they wrestled every match. So yeah. big spots. Uh, they they brawl to the back. Uh, what'd you think of the match, by the way? I enjoyed it. Yeah. Do you think it should have went on last? I personally think the Type A Death match should have been on last. I can see that. Being the bloody, getting the, that way, no one has to wrestle in the blood. I mean, not just that, that because of the the intensity of it. It was the teams brawl to the back, and we think that the the show's over. Nope. Public Enemy come back out to celebrate with the crowd. They their theme music plays. That's right. Yes, Mr. Hot Stepper is their theme song. It plays, and uh, then all the they invite all the fans into the ring to celebrate with them. And I thought this was the year that the ring collapsed, but that was ninety four. That was ninety four. Yeah. So the crowd all hop in the ring and celebrate with them. They put the public enemy on their shoulders, and there you go. It ends with ECW chances. Everyone goes home happy for it. They get invited to the ring. That's pretty awesome. That'll never happen and too much liability, yeah. especially when the ring has already collapsed once before. Hardcore Heaven 1995 from July, Patrick. What do you think of this show? Awesome show. Awesome show. Now, see, I thought the first, first three matches, first three suck. I was really, really worried, and I was almost going to have to issue a long apology to you. Especially especially for giving me shit over Dory Funk and Nick Bockwinkle. I think I'd still take the Chad Austin match over Dory Funk and Nick Bockwinkle. Oh, shout out to Dory Funk celebrating his birthday yesterday. Oh, that is crazy. And he's still wrestling sometimes. He does. I think those Funk brothers are just going to keep wrestling until they... Till they drop. They will die in the ring. Now, Patrick. Terry and Dory will. ECW Hardcore Heaven on our rating scale of Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez. Where would you stack Hardcore Heaven 95? I am going to give this 911. Wow. That is very high praise. I'm glad you enjoyed it because I was really worried. This was a good sampler of ECW. There was only a couple of elements really missing from it and that's like really great technical wrestling. Yeah. And luchadors. Yeah. And like Japanese wrestling maybe you'd throw in there. But overall, if you just wanted a sampling of what ECW was, this is a good place to start. I it's not the best example, but it's it's definitely a good place to start. Well, there's about at least three more ECW shows that I would like to cover at some point in time. Uh, I am going to give this one a Val Puccio. Uh, now, he is only 5'11", but he's very wide, and that has to count so for the something. So girth, the girth counts for something. <laughs> That's what she said. Yes, that is... Uh, now, that, I, you know, the rating scale is just stupid rating scale. You know, I, I know. I'm not... I just get tired of all those wrestling shows that are like, I give this 2.5 stars, and, you know, I, I just think the rate... You know, it's just something to... I like our rating scale. I think our probably, rating scale is true to form. Oh yeah, true to form. It doesn't teach you anything. It's sort of like 
Whose line is it anyway? Uh, everything's made up and the points don't matter. There you go. As I mentioned at the start of the show, this is a big week for the rest for the restroom wrestling podcast. No, this is the retro wrestling podcast. It was a big week for us as we have finally made it onto all the major podcast carriers. We are on iTunes. We are on Google Play Music. We are on Downcast. We are everywhere. We are on SoundCloud. So now you can get it on the go anywhere you want to. Anywhere, anytime. And we would like to thank you, the fans. As I was working on our Twitter page, which is at twitter.com slash retro W podcast, I've been trying to expand our Twitter following base. I got us from, we started the week at 20 and now I'm up to 100 followers. Uh, turns out there is a lot of, re- uh, there's a, a thousand wrestling podcasts out there. And I think we are friends now with them on, on Twitter is just insane. So hopefully the problem with that is, is number one, they don't have the greatest referee in professional wrestling history. <laughs> we we we're a step above the rest, brother. Well, we've just got to stick with it. I think that's what's what's going to because long term, you know, there are some of some are. It's just like wrestling promotions. Some will fizzle out and some will keep going. So there you go. Absolutely, yeah, you can learn more at retrowrestlingpodcast.com. But before we leave, Patrick, and before I go on vacation, what will we be reviewing next time for episode? I think we're on episode 24 already. That'll be next week's. We are heading into what specific match this coming next weekend? Oh, this will be the Elimination Chamber. So if we're going to talk about this, why not start at the very first one? Wow. So I'm taking us to Survivor Series 2002, Madison Square Garden, to see the very first Elimination Chamber match. All right, Patrick. Well, that'll do it for another episode of the retro wrestling podcast i'm intern alex i'm the one and only the greatest referee in professional wrestling history patrick young saying as always my closing line's a clothesline bingo bango we did it fly boy rocco rock and johnny grunge the public enemy i knew rocco rock for a long time johnny grunge i met on an overseas tour they were opponents all the time, and I figured they had such great chemistry as opponents. Boy, they'd make a great tag team. They'd go on at it with two white guys that were just rapping and, and dancing badly and just having fun, but it was entertaining. And, and But then once that bell rang, they were two rugged guys from Philly that could fight.